Thank you so much for your wonderful talent and blessing us today. How many baseball fans we have in here? Anybody seen the All-Star Games? We got some Reds fans left. I'll tell you, I'll always be a Reds fan. Well, one of my favorite games growing up was baseball. And friends, I played a lot, a lot of ball when I was uh, in a different life. And uh, loved baseball. Won a lot of games with the bat, I have to tell you. And I just had that uncanny ability to put the ball on the bat, and it was such a good feeling. And I could crush the ball to the left field fence, or more often than not, I could lay a bunt down, knowing which way the pitcher was going to come off the mound. I could direct that bunt, and I won a lot of games, knocking a lot of people in. But I got something else to tell you, a greater feeling than that. And it's to go to bed at night with a clean conscience. It's to get up in the morning and you see the news, everybody coming unhinged, completely off the rails, all the violence, the evil, the anger, the hate. And suddenly you start smiling on the inside because you've got hope. Real hope, because you've encountered Jesus Christ. And you know peace. And you know I'm telling you right. Friends, you need God in your life. You need an encounter with Jesus Christ, and you need it today. We're beginning a series today that we're calling Home Run Life, here on the hills of the all-star baseball game, and we're going to look at some of the faithful saints in the Bible and how they live their life, and I'm going to tell you there's a lot of things that we can learn from these faithful saints, and we can make points of application to our life even in a day like today. So let me ask you, does your boat float? Because we're going to look at Noah, and i got to tell you, you need to look at your life, and you got holes in your raft. Is your life sinking right now? You know, almost every culture on the earth includes some type of ancient flood story. And the details vary, but the basic plot is the same. There was this great deluge of water, and it killed everybody except for a very few people. Maybe you've read the book, Everything I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Anybody heard that book? Well, I want to suggest another book to you, and that is Everything I Need to Know I Learned from Noah. Because there's a lot of lessons in this guy's life that we can take to heart and we can understand. One is, don't miss the boat. <laughs> Friends, this is a day of grace, and Jesus Christ has extended the invitation to you to know him, to know God, and you don't want to miss the boat. Not only that, but we're all in the same boat. We're all in this crazy world that's broken. There's problems, you know, there's disease, there's just hardship. It's unimaginable, but we're all there together. Build your future on high ground. There's a lesson for you. In troubled times and for safety's sake, travel in pairs. How about that one? Or maybe this, remember the ark was built by amateurs, the Titanic by pros. <laughs> Wasn't it Captain Smith that said even God couldn't sink the Titanic? 
Well, no character, as you know in the Bible, really gets more attention than this guy known as Noah. This is the great-grandson of Enoch, the grandson of Methuselah, and he even has present-day water parks named after him. And it was even the quick bird satellite there years ago that was actually looking for the ark. Everybody seems to know the story of Noah. And what do you think that we could really possibly learn from Noah that could help us really float through the floods of time? How could we really garner some important traits and characteristics out of this guy's life that could really fit into our, our walk of faith? You know, really it starts with why Noah anyway? What was it about this guy that God saw fit here in this story, really saw fit to identify him as the guy that was gonna help people get through? Well, you know, archeologists and others, geologists and those folks that kind of study time, many of them have suggested that perhaps back in this day, in this time, that there were maybe about a million people inhabiting the earth. And so here you're thinking, Noah is one in a million. And why do you suppose God selected this guy? Well, we know in the Bible, it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, it says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, that he may show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Friends, God looks at the heart. The Spirit of God knows your motivations, knows the inner workings of your heart. And God looked upon the earth and he only found one person that he could use. And only Noah found grace in the eyes of God. And what was it about Noah that God selected him? We're going to talk today about obedience. Noah heard from God and obeyed God's command to build the ark. Now, I don't know if you've been to the ark encounter, but this is no pontoon boat here. This is a big boat. That thing's enormous, and there's no Ryobi drills here. There's no fancy, you know, Milwaukee bench saws or anything like that. Just picture yourself building a boat the length of one and a half football fields and as high as a four-story building. And the ark was exactly as described about six times longer than it was wide, and that's the same that even modern shipbuilders use, that same kind of dimension. And there are several lessons I want to suggest to you that we can really take out of this guy's life and apply to our life. And I want you to see some characteristics of the type of person that God uses. Now, the story of, of Noah here unfolds early on in the first book of the Bible there in the book of Genesis. And we grab the story and pick it up in Genesis chapter 6, 7, 8, and 9. And we begin to see here what is going on. And let me just one more time read the context here for you to understand what's happening. It says here, down in verse 5, it says, Then the Lord saw how great mankind's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of thoughts of his heart was only evil. The people in the day, their thoughts were only evil to do harm of others. And the Lord was grieved that he'd even made mankind upon the earth. And his heart was filled with pain. And so the Lord said, I'm going to wipe out all of mankind whom I've created from the face of the earth, man and animals, creatures that move along the ground, and birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of God. And here's the first trait that I believe that you can take from this text, and that is Noah, friends, was available. 
It says here in verse eight, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. The fact is, out of an entire population, God could only find one available person. In God's eyes, availability is much more important than ability. I mean, your attitude is much more important than your aptitude. Most of us, if we'd be honest, we use our aptitude as an excuse. Oh, I can't do that. I don't have enough time to do that. I don't have that ability to do that. God could never use you by saying, I can't do anything. But here you learn, Noah was simply available. You know, I heard a great story uh, here some time ago, and I was reading uh, this and learned about this professor of sociology, Anthony Capolo, here several years ago. He was invited to speak at a college up in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. And he drove to the college and getting ready to speak, some of the people there took him to the back room and said, hey, we wanna pray for you before your presentation. So they all go in the back room and they start praying for Anthony as he's preparing to give his speech that day. And during the prayer, there was a man, part of the group, he started to kind of pray like this. And Lord, just off the cuff, he said, Bird Harris really needs your help badly. He lives in that trailer down the street. He's considering leaving his wife and family. And Lord, if you could just get through to Bert Harris, that would be great. And then he continue on with the rest of the prayer. Well, Anthony during this time is thinking, what's going on here? This sounds a little uh, interesting. He thought that was strange, a way to pray. Well, he went out, he gave his presentation, he finished up, got back in his car, drove home. And all of a sudden on his way out of town, he runs into a hitchhiker. And he stops to pick the guy up. True story. The guy is picked up and he starts his conversation as they're driving out of town. And Anthony said, what's your name? And the guy says, my name is Bert Harris. And the car came to a screeching halt. Anthony turned around and started headed in the opposite direction. And the hitchhiker says, uh, Bert says, uh, what are you doing? And he said, I'm taking you back to your wife and family. And the man went white and couldn't even speak another word. And they drove straight back to the guy's trailer. And he said, well, how did you know where I live? And Anthony said, well, God told me. And in a way he had told him. And he took the man inside. The family was put back together and the marriage was restored. I understand a true story. And you're thinking, well, why doesn't God use me like that? That's a pretty cool thing. And Anthony would say, if you will make your life available, God will wear you out and use you. If you'll stop focusing on what you can't do and let God decide what you can do and what he wants to do and just make yourself available like Noah. You know, I think when it's all said and done and when we're there one of these days in heaven, you're gonna be amazed at the kind of people that God used. They're not superstars. They're not these incredibly gifted people or super uh, fancy, talented people. They're just ordinary people like all of us with faults and failures and hopes and dreams and hang-ups and fears. And they're not necessarily brilliant, but they're just a plain, ordinary intelligence. But you know what? They're simply available. And Noah was available. And you know, the longer I 
serve, the longer I walk in my faith with God, I realize God's not looking for any kind of superstar or all-stars to be on his team. I mean, Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. Moses had the stuttering problem. Job went bankrupt. Peter denied Christ, for heaven's sake, three times. He simply needs people, ordinary people like you and me, that say, God, I'm available. Look at the disciples. These guys really were a bunch of losers in a lot of ways. These were just poor fishermen. And all the time you see in the Gospels where Jesus is going to them and they see the disciples are there mending their nets. They couldn't even keep their nets together. And God uses people who are available. Let me tell you another trait that you find here as you continue to read this story and you discover it down in verse 9. You find out that God uses people who dare to be different and people who are ready to give an account, to lean into a time of accountability. For it says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Take your Bible and note that in your Bible. He was blameless among the people. Noah was a man of deep conviction, and he dared to be different. And he was not afraid to take a stand. He was not terrified of what other people might think. He was not frightened of what, uh, you know, was going to happen. He wasn't out to win some type of popularity contest. And, you know, at this point in history, the society was morally bankrupt. I mean, the Bible describes it here. I mean, it was so file and filthy and violent and dirty. There was so much corruption in verses 11 and 12. Immorality was going on in every walk of life, and yet Noah was not influenced by any of those things. In spite of the fact that he was living in a terrible culture, in an awful society, he says, it says here, he was blameless among the people of his day, and he was not afraid to stand alone. You know, today, it seems like we have this tendency that if the majority is doing it, well, it must be okay. If everybody else doing it, then I'll head that direction. If it's popular, then it must be kosher. But Noah here refused to go along with the mainstream. And the majority, as you know in your gut, is not always right. It's this mob mentality that takes over with a lot of people. And Noah says here, one plus God equals a majority. And that's the way he looked at it in his life. Just think about the criticism that this guy probably endured. Think about it. He's going down to the local Kroger's or the local store to pick up his lunch meat and his laundry detergent, and people behind his back are snickering and making fun and just all kinds of criticism. They're leveling him. Or think about his family, the enormous pressure. You know, the kids go to school. Hey, what's your dad do? Oh, he's an art builder. He probably got this incredible pressure and tremendous flack from his friends and family. And isn't it true, friends, that today we have to endure a lot of criticism? And I'm going to tell you, taking a stand to do what's right, to stand on the Bible and put your faith totally in God, it takes courage. Conformity is often the enemy of our Christian faith. And in America, we haven't really had to worry about being persecuted 
for the most part. But these days, wonder, one wonders how much longer that's going to be because we know many people are canceled out on social media. We know there's a lot of insults hurled around and people are marginalized for their faith. And we get worried about just being different. And so we want to camouflage ourselves and we want to dilute the message and we want to just kind of blend in with everybody else and go with popular opinion. But that's not what Noah did. Noah here was not afraid to stand alone. And while everybody else in that day was going to the dogs and off the rails, he said, I'm not going to participate in those kinds of things and I'm going to be faithful. And it says he was blameless among the people. Now the book of Proverbs says that the fear of mankind is a trap. The fear of mankind is a trap. And that means if you're going to worry about what other people think, you're going to be in trouble. And if you're going to worry about how you look, uh, you're really going to have a hard time living for God. If you're going to worry about what everybody else thinks, you're going to have some challenge. Noah was available and he was willing to be different. And he said, God, I'm going to go your path. I'm going to travel your way. And you know, he was willing to take a stand and he had conviction. Let me remind you that a belief is something that you hold, but a conviction is something that holds you. And it, it says here in verse 9, he walked with God. And that's what gave him confidence, really great confidence to be different because he had fellowship daily with God. And he had a relationship with God, and that gave him the strength to say, I don't care what anybody else thinks. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to serve the Lord as for me and my house. There's a third characteristic I want to remind you about here, not the fact that he was just accountable, and not only that uh, really he was available, but lastly, this guy was all in. God uses people, you know what, who are completely all in not only on their timetable and when they want to do it and at the time they want to do it and how they want to do it and if they feel like it and if they get around to it, but people who are completely all in with God. God uses people who follow the directions. And in fact, repeatedly in this scripture, we find here that going on in verse 22, Noah did everything just as God commanded. It doesn't say that he crossed off some of the things or a majority or achieved 75%, but it indicates he followed everything, right down every jot and tittle to what God commanded. It continues that same thing in the next chapter, 7 and verse 5, where it says he did everything as God asked. He did it all. Obedience is simply another word for your faith. And the project that God gave Noah, it didn't make sense. It wouldn't have made sense to any of us. We've never seen rain and yet we're building a crazy ark. The thing about Noah is he didn't argue. He didn't complain. He didn't rationalize this thing away and just explain it. He just say, okay, Lord, whatever you say. And he just had that kind of attitude. And you know, one of the real tests of faith in life is do I follow God's will or not? In this life of Noah, as we look deeper at it, we see these incredible characteristics that he had that really ought to be said about our life, that we are people who are available to serve God, to live as God wants us to, that we're going to be those people who are accountable, and we're going to be daring to be different, and we're going to be people today who are all together. We are all in 
to serve the Lord, even when we don't understand everything going on around us. I'll never forget when I was in school, I heard a lot about E. Stanley Jones, who was that great missionary. I heard a lot about this guy's life, and he told the story about this missionary who was there in the jungle. And he had been led into this jungle, and he was doing all this missionary work, and all of a sudden it was time for him to move, and he didn't know how to get out of the jungle. And he came across this one native hut, and they asked, you know, can you help me find my way out of here? And the guy said, yeah, all right. And so the missionary said, well, show me the way. And they started walking, and there was all kinds of brush and vegetation and all kinds of limbs, and there would be a clear spot here and there, but there was no path. And this went on for an hour or two as they hacked and walked and hacked and walked and moved things around. And finally, the missionary, he got really concerned. He thought, you know, what's going on here? Where is this guy leading me? And he said, are you sure this is the way? Is this the path? And the guy, the native said, well, in this place, there is no path. I am the path. And you know, right now, we feel a little bit of in the jungle right now, and we don't understand everything that's happening, all the turbulence in the culture, all of the problems that we see, but friends, we need to grab on to our faith in Jesus Christ. So I'm gonna offer you today an invitation and a challenge. And first of all, I wanna invite you, all the broken people here, and that's all of us, I want to tell you, you need God in your life, and you need it now. You need to get real about this thing. Because Jesus has come, and he's died for our sins, and you need a relationship. It's the greatest thing in the world. Better than stepping up to the plate and hitting a single or a home run. And the challenge I want to extend to you today is simply this. Where is your obedience refusing to go? Where's your obedience refusing to go? Are you like, sorry, God, but that's just too messy. Sorry, God, but that's too costly. I mean, if you really consider yourself a follower of Jesus, I'm going to ask you, are you an active or passive disobedience? Are you really faithfully following the Lord? I want to challenge you today to really be faithful, just like Noah. And in this day, to place your trust completely in God. You join me in prayer. Oh God, today, how we need you. We pray, God, that your spirit would just be upon hearts and lives today. For Lord, we know there are so many challenges and problems in our lives. And Lord, we are tempted to yield. We're tempted to accommodate. We're tempted to go along. But God, remind us of these stories like Noah, how we need to be firmly in your hand. We need to be faithful and obedient and walking after your ways. So bless us today and challenge all of us here who are really disobedient and not being available to you. May Lord, your spirit guide our lives and may we completely be obedient in all ways. For we pray this in the name of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. As we close our time.